I'm still I'm still unsure about the division of people who love and hate it. I quite like it. Uh, well, we like it, but no, we don't like yuck. No. Oh, it's awful. Stop it. Bang. 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 Bang on. Hello, Hello. Zan. Yay. How you going? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Just getting down to the jam that is bang on. I know. I love that It's opener. got some real bass in the booty, yeah. doesn't it, our yeah. intro? Yeah. Down. That's my favourite bit. Down. <laughs> um, good to see you again in yeah, a fun way great for to our see weekly too. catch up on music, art, life, and stuff. That's what Bang On is all about. It's award season. Oh, and don't we love it? But did you watch the Oscars this year? Well, I had it on mute because it kicked off at 10 a.m. Australian time and I was on air. So mm. I had it on in the studio while I was, you know, playing the tunes. And just had the kind of text come up where they translate it. Um, And so I didn't realise until afterwards that it was, um, by all accounts, incredibly dull. Well, did they even (laughs) have it on free-to-air TV? I mean, this marks a huge change, doesn't it, if... I didn't know it was on free to air. <laughs> it was on Channel 7 this year because it shifted a couple of years ago from Channel 9 who've had the rights to it for mm. yonks. And then I think last year Channel 7 got it. I'm sure they were happy with that timing um, given that it's been a pandemic kind of yeah. couple of years. But, yeah, it was on Channel 7. And I watched bits and pieces of it catch up, but I mostly watched it on mute. It already feels like Monday was an age ago, but there yeah. was it was a very different kind of ceremony. And this was one of the, you know, thankfully live in-person award ceremonies, but it was different. It was held in. Union Station in Los Angeles. Oh, wasn't it beautiful? So beautiful. And all the design around like the pictures, the sort of Art Deco graphic design behind each um, person's table and as they went, you know, in and out of the ad breaks with Questlove DJing and all that kind of stuff, just so stylish. They didn't play anyone off stage when they gave long speeches, which was really different. It was quite a like serious Oscars by all accounts. Yeah. There was no sort of piss taking and really the only funny part that I thought, um, even though I was watching on mute, uh, really came towards the the tail end of it with Glenn Close, which we'll we'll get to that in a second. Mm. But um, there were some good wins, though. Were you happy with the outcomes? Happy with the outcomes. I mean, I think like everybody, um, Chadwick Boseman not winning against Anthony Hopkins. But look, the thing is I haven't seen either of those mm. performances. But I think everyone expected Chadwick to take it out because he'd taken out so many of the other um, awards for Best Actor in previous ceremonies, um, I think people were really surprised. And the fact that Anthony Hopkins didn't have a speech because he couldn't get there, so they didn't even let him do a Zoom. Yeah, that was what weird. was revealed a couple of days later, wasn't it? So yeah. that, that, And that was the other kicker that they usually end with Best Picture. That's mm. the big final award. They flipped it. And this to me says, oh, wow, they really don't know who's won. Like they're really that Ernst & Young or whatever accountancy firm who are holding tight to all the winners. They yeah. truly mustn't know because why on earth would they finish with what they thought was going to be a big emotional, you know, Chadwick Boseman win. Yeah. And then it ends in this flat note of Joaquin Phoenix going, oh. he can't be here, I'm going to accept it on his behalf. And then Finn, <laughs> show over. But, yeah, I can't believe that they didn't let Sir Anthony Hopkins, who is of age, who probably doesn't want to travel across the world in yeah. a pandemic or even to a major city, 
Let him get on the bloody Zoom. I, I want to see what his lounge room looks well, like. He's I don't know about good you. On the internet. He's always on the Facebooks and the Instagrams. He's been <laughs> on the Facebooks. He's is been he? he's been playing piano and and things. And he's he, we know his cat. Like it's not like this is new to him. He could have <laughs> he could have knocked up a couple of lights. Um, get him a ring light. I think he's already got one. I see it in his eyes. Get him a ring light. Get him a little good camera. It'd be fine. It seemed unfair. You don't win an Oscar every day. Absolutely. You know, yeah. it's, it's, maybe he didn't think he'd win either. Like that's the thing. People just but also that speaks to like an interesting thing of like if I'm not gonna win, then there's no point turning up. That's a yeah. whole other conversation, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Unless I win, I'm not actually gonna even yeah. show up. Yeah. I would rather be in bed. Yeah, maybe he just thought, no, nah, not today. Not today, I mean, it's I'm, not happening. I was very happy to see that Nomadland um, led the awards. Well, you've uh, seen Nomadland. I have have still you not seen, seen it yet it. still? No. Oh, man, I'll go and see it with you again. Okay. I loved it so much. Oh, movie date. That sounds good. It's You will love this. And I, I loved seeing Swanky. For anybody who's seen Nomadland, Swanky was a real highlight of the film and she was the um, the date for Chloe Zhao, who's the director who won Best Director. And, again, it will never get old to me that she is only, well, she's the first woman of colour, the first woman mm-hmm. of Asian descent to win that award. And but she's still only the second woman in woman. 93 years mm. to win the Best Director Oscar. The last person was Catherine Bigelow in 2010 for The Hurt Locker. That's right. Two women in 93 years. That just never doesn't shock me. Yeah. Wild. But it, such a good win for her, incredibly directed film. Yeah, a, a fabulous win for her. But I think the fact that I still haven't seen it means I'm not alone. I'm pretty across culture. But it's, I think with lockdown winding up here in Australia, you know, the opportunity is there to still go out, but there's so much to catch up on. And that might be why the numbers were so low for the Oscars broadcast all over the world. It was the least watched Oscars of all time, I think. The fact that most people haven't seen a lot of these films and they haven't had the opportunity unless they've been on streaming services. And and in a way, you, you save Oscar films for, for the big screen. You feel like they deserve the respect. They're obviously filmed in that way. That's mm. the intention. It's not necessarily always the case, but I, I always felt I need to save these for the big screen. But for a lot of countries even, and even America, people aren't going to the movies still because of COVID and all the other issues and through just general fear of being out in public, I think. I think even in addition to that, um, I read a really great piece by Paul Donoghue, who's the music and pop culture writer Mm. for ABC News, does a lot of stuff on Double J as well. And he was talking about this shift of, um, you know, are the Oscars relevant? Which we, we have these conversations all the time and mm. I'm bang on to about award shows being relevant in any sort of day and age. Well, but let's not forget Oscars so white the last couple of years because yeah. really, and they've really they've really worked hard to, to change that perception of the Oscars recently. But even that idea of them as the gatekeepers when it's so clear that the way that we, and I sort of talk about we as the viewing audience, um, watch films and television now is so much more fractured. Mm. And you can see that in the nominations. There's heaps of films that are being nominated from streaming services like like Netflix and, and Amazon and stuff like that over all the award ceremonies. But like you saying you haven't seen Nomadland, like, and plenty of people have seen heaps of stuff on on streaming services, but they just haven't gotten to um, the theatres either for COVID or because that's just not the way that they engage with mm. culture and with and with film anymore. They just they've changed their habits. And are the Oscars now slipping out of relevance in terms of a, a select few in Hollywood saying, this is what we think is the best filmmaking in the world this year. Um, and the rest of the world is kind of like, well, no, we were watching this stuff and mm. we don't need you to tell us what's worthy and, and what's not. Mm. It's a fantastic piece. It's just it's it goes really into good. all of that stuff. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, but, yeah, that idea of gatekeepers 
um, and the traditional gatekeepers just, uh, you know, toppling continuously as we head towards this, you know, democratisation of the internet to everyone finding their niche to being able to get broadcast whatever you want into your own living room, it changes it all, doesn't it? And the Oscars is one of the most old school brands of them all trying to keep up with that change, but yeah. I don't know if they'll ever quite be able to. Do we want to lose the Oscars? Like is it, it what's the solution here? Do they do they have to come up with an entirely new way of approaching it or should we stick with the tradition of the Oscars and continue that? Like it's it's almost a question of heritage versus relevance, isn't it? And critique versus popularity as mm. well. That's a part of it too, you know. And again, that like we talked, we've talked about this before in terms of music reviewing too. Yeah, like the the power of the music reviewer is being completely d- diminished as well because you've got fans and stands who can you know drive all of that without the help of any you know little write up in Rolling Stone or Pitchfork. Mm. But you've also got people thinking, you know, well, my opinion is all that matters and I'm going to try before I buy, I can stream it, and I don't need you to tell me whether you think something's worthy or not for me to be able to commit to it. So all of those things are toppling and I think the Oscars is is a part of it. They're trying to keep involved and keep relevant, but... I just don't know whether how long that will last. Well, I'd be sad though because my favourite part about the Oscars is the passion, oh, and yeah, that's where people get really let loose. We will get to that, but <laughs> without you know that the kind of that that ceremony and the history and the the, the expectation, like we'll we'll. If, if the Oscars topple, we will lose that, I, I would suggest. But then it could open up doors to a whole new, different way of approaching passion as well. So, tracky decks, yeah, tracky decks on love the couch. It. <laughs> love it. But yeah, we're going to get to some Oscars passion in a little while. Can I just say one thing that I loved? Um, I, I follow Glenn Close on Instagram because mm. she's very funny. Do you follow her on Instagram? No, I do not. Okay, you got to change okay. that because she's always good. Um, and so I did see a couple of posts pop up and, of course, I saw her, as many others did, um, kind of save the Oscars from being a, a bit too sort of uh, stiff. serious and <laughs> stiff. When she was at a table um, with a handful of people, including a couple of um, actors, Daniel Kaluuya, who won Best uh, Actor for his role in Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, and also Daryl Brett Gibson. And so there was this, like, you know, force in there, obviously having a great time on their little table. And she knew that um, the host, Little Rel, was going to quiz her. This is what she said on her Instagram. She knew that he was going to quiz her about debate. So the guys on her table basically ran through what she was going to say. And I was wondering while watching this moment, which if you haven't seen it yet, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. For those that don't know, though, what's debate? Debat is a song, isn't mm. it? Like I didn't really know much about debate either. Are you going to sing debate for me? No, I don't know it. I don't know what debate is. Is it? Is it, this is the thing I need to Google. <laughs> what is debate? This is exactly the conversation that was happening at Glenn Close's table on Oscars yeah. night. She, she is me. She is all of us. <laughs> she's all of us. So all three guys helped uh, run her through what she was going to say and then she's like, Daryl, this is what she it's said a, on her Instagram. It's the song, you're right. And it's a song called Debut. And um, just looking it up on the internet here, looks like it came out in 1988. So I assume, I assume Debut is something to do with TikTok or one of those social <laughs> things that I, I haven't got time for. <laughs> Give me that butt. Give me that <laughs> Surprise, surprise, with a Shake title like butt. that. So she's talking with these guys about what she should say. She's like, Daryl insisted that I mention the Backyard Band on top of the EU Sugar Bear, the whole DMV. So she's Googled the butt. She's watched the music video. And then when Little Rel asked her if she could do the dance, she jumps up and that's when you see her shaking that booty. And right. she said on her Instagram, I wondered this. That part was completely spontaneous. 
They all egged me on. It was all their <laughs> fault. Oh, I love it. I love Glenn Close. Yeah. What a legend. And, and that was just such up- a great moment. I'm so glad it wasn't pre-planned and all set up. I was so happy to read that Instagram. Well, she's been up for eight Oscars. Did you know that? And she hasn't won one. And I think that's that's not right. Let's let's address that next year. Love you, Glenn Close. I love reality television, but I don't like the way things are going in the world of reality television. Uh, I read an article this week, it was in The Guardian, and it exposed the story of a Russian man who joined a boy band competition on Chinese TV, did it on a whim, because apparently he was working on the show as a translator um, at the time. they asked him because he was good looking. Yeah, and he's obviously, you know, fits that mould. But it seems this poor fella's really regretted that decision because he basically became trapped on this reality TV program. Um, This is a horror story. It's a horror story. Um, The the show's called Produce Camp. So essentially it's people auditioning to become part of a boy band. But even the term produce puts music as absolutely product and human beings Mm. as absolutely product without any kind of artistry, without any kind of autonomy. And as this has played out, it's actually become real for this guy. He sort of signed up, went, oh, okay. But then he wanted to leave the show because he realised it wasn't for him. It wasn't the right thing. And he was unable to leave on his own without breaching his contract and paying a huge fine. They took their phones off them. So essentially he was locked in some sort of prison system, some boy band prison system, which to some people might sound like heaven. I imagine if you don't want to be there, not great. Um, And he spent, I think, three months begging viewers to let him go home. He deliberately performed badly. He was just saying, vote me off. Don't love me. You'll get no results, he was saying. (laughs) His stage name was Lelouch. And it just sounds like an absolute nightmare. It sounds like Black Mirror territory. Like I was reading this article and I was like, is this actually happening? Are we in this right now? It's wild. Oh, it's absolutely wild. And I think what then happened was the audience actually got behind the fact that this guy was trapped and started saying that he was um, an icon of what's called sang culture in China Um, and that's a Chinese millennial concept of having a defeatist attitude towards life Um, and because of the work culture and and they were calling him things like the most miserable wage slave Uh, and and it was like watching this happen. It's the darkest thing I've read in ages. Same. I was actually shocked and you know how much I love reality TV. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This was like, oh, God, this is... This really is, um, oh, what was the Arnold Schwarzenegger version of the movie that became really famous? Running, The Running Man. This is The Running Man. Yeah, oh, my God. That they based. Um, Hunger Games. Hunger Games, yeah. Well, they kind of stole the plot line for the Hunger Games on, but it, it really is um, this life and death situation going on <laughs> now. I shouldn't giggle. It's awful. It's horrific. You, I want to know, when you were doing I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, were there mm. ever any moments where you're like, I've had enough and every, I'm just going to do freaking day. To get, get myself further Get me off. out of here, yeah. Look, <laughs> Literally get me out do, of here. And you do, but I always knew that if I really wanted to go, I could go. We were yeah. trapped and we were isolated and we were monitored and all of those things and we were starved, but I signed up for that and I I knew exactly what I was in for. So you, every day when you go, oh, I hate it, I've had a scorpion on my backpack I want to go. There's spiders in the dunny and the men are pissing on the toilet seat and the toilet seat's made of 
thin wood and it's all soaked in and oh no and I'm tired <laughs> I'm tired that. of going that's to the like toilet Scorpion with a microphone on. on I'm pissing tired. onto a wooden toilet that's a whole other oh, it was disgusting fish. we had that to have a full so discussion with all the men going who <laughs> is pissing on the toilet seat because it was made of some balsa wood and we and it was really high so every time I sat down on it you'd be sitting in men's wee no it was oh disgusting it was so disgusting and there was a snake in the oh dunny there was all God. sorts of things um anyway but I'd signed up for it and I'd prepared myself for that mental challenge. I also wouldn't make a, have made as much money if I'd gone out early. That's that's mm. a fact. Yep. But I knew that if my mental health was in trouble, I could just get out of there and it'd be fine and I would have had an amazing experience because there was no way that they were going to tie you in there. But this poor fella, he couldn't get off because he obviously didn't have any money. I just can't believe this happened. It's just wild. Mm. We're going to put it in the show notes if you want to read it and realise that this is the world we're living in in some places, just so full is on. A, are, we live, are we living in a simulation? Is this really what we're... I, I don't know. Take the red pill. I don't know. <laughs> don't take the red pill. Do not take the red pill. Take the pill, go to sleep and move on from this part of life because it's getting creepy. Hey, you shared another amazing article with mm. me this week and oh. I love this. Um, I have been sharing it on my own social media realising the irony of sharing it on my social media because that distracts us when we mm. should be focusing on one thing. But it's this um, New York Times article on languishing and it's about this feeling that I'm feeling right now, I'll be honest, um, which is not depression and it's not flourishing but it's that kind of middle ground between, yeah. that sort of like a sense of like aimlessness. Yes. Um, and I'm being really brutally honest here because I, I love I feel very grateful for life. I have a good time with life, but I also, there's moments where I'm just kind of feeling like, ah, everything's just a bit of a blur and I don't know what, where I'm headed and what I should be doing and what's, what's, what's my worth and what, you know, all of that stuff. I'm just like, even the way I'm trying to describe it, I feel like I'm in a fog and I'm not alone. This is what some psychologists are talking about as the dominant emotion of 2021 mm -hmm. And this fantastic article just completely spoke to me. I'm so glad yeah. that you sent this along. It's remember those early days of the pandemic where we were just in basically survival mode. It was fight or flight. Well, so we were running on adrenaline then, and 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 there was no end. And yes, that was that was difficult to comprehend. But there was this forward momentum. We were going to get through this. We we're all in this together, and all that. But we're that, also figuring it out at the same yeah. time. So it's so kind it of like this heightened sense of like, okay, um, we've got to wash our hands for twenty seconds and sing happy birthday. And wipe out. Oh no, we've got to actually wash our groceries. Yeah. Oh no, now it's airborne. Oh, you can sit in a restaurant. You can't. Yes, public transport. No, like it was just like just dealing with the information and learning is mm. going along, and just at the whole at the whole time this kind of heightened state, which I think sometimes when you're in that state, it's very anxiety ridden but also you kind of just survive because you have to be yeah. on your game mm -hmm. and now we're in this kind of chronic state of languishing which yeah. is this sort of slipping away and kind of just without realizing you're just like okay starting to drop away not really feeling like going out or participating in things not really feeling like getting involved in projects or undertaking new ideas mm. or new challenges and you can't sort of, you don't realise you're in it until you're in it. And one of the big kickers of this article is that it's, they talk about this thing of like people who are most likely to 
suffer from, you know, more serious mental health issues, you know, 10 years beforehand they were in this period of languishing because it just creeps up and that's what really struck a chord and a a bit of a fear in me when I was reading this. Well, it's this paragraph early on in the piece. Languishing is the neglected middle child of mental health. It's the void between depression and flourishing, the absence of well-being. You don't have symptoms of mental illness, but you're not the picture of mental health either. And I think that's where I'd say so many of us are right now. We're not functioning at full capacity. Um, it says languishing dulls your motivation, disrupts your ability to focus and triples the odds that you'll cut back on work. Mm. And that's, I think, where a lot of people are finding themselves at the moment. And that's why this article has really struck a chord like with you and with me. I can't focus on anything. Yeah. I think because there's nothing at the end. Um, we're, we, there's nothing to look still to look forward to, but we're in this moment of being stuck while we wait for vaccines, while we while we wait to see what happens. There's there's nothing new and yet there's nothing there's also nothing new down the track. It's it's very hard to know what to do ne- next. It's very difficult to know what life is going to be like. And we've been with that feeling for a long time now. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to be coming to an end anytime soon. So I think that adds to our uncertainty and 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 this feeling that oh, when is it gonna when is it gonna the curve gonna go up you know I think also from my perspective I'm the kind of person who's like I'm I'm realizing as I get older I can't just go okay I'll do that and then I'll bounce on to the next thing I I, I need space to recover from mm-hmm. things but on a similar sort of parallel path I am realizing that it's not a linear or an up and down like okay um freak out pandemic and then bounce back mm. cool now we're back to normal it's just there's this long tail that i haven't really experienced before um and we've got to sit with that for a while and when people were talking about long game at the start of the pandemic i think i was thinking about it purely from a structural and health yes physical health point of view yes. i wasn't thinking of it from a mental health point of view and i'm sure many p- other people who job this is were but i just didn't click and now i'm clicking mm. about that long tail and that long game and that marathon and not yeah. a sprint it's not just about the functions of what keeps us alive and keeps us in work and in society it's about greater mental health issues and concerns just greater mental health, like mm. all of that realm. Um, and that's really, really becoming apparent to me. Yeah. I, I love I love that this article, though, is not, you know, we t- talk about it every week. We like solutions. That's this right. This article is not just about um, talking about it and naming it, which is really important because it gives us something to grab onto. But it's also, you know, what are some antidotes yeah. to languishing? And there's these, I won't go through them all here, but there's these ideas of of flow, of getting in a flow, of not fragmenting your time, mm. of working on small little things, which I like. I think things. sometimes achieve small goals, which sometimes when we're kind of like, I've got to pull myself out of it, we set ourselves too big a goal and mm. then we just find ourselves kind of crushed and, um, again, at that point of stagnation, just paralysed. Yeah. But these are small little goals that I'm going to be really using. So it's, um, God, what a perfect article. This This really hit me at a point this week where I, I really needed it. It's amazing. Your, what's your first small goal? I think I'm going to go really small. I think I'm literally going to be like uh, a seven-letter word game um, or just do like little things that practice my skills. I think the other big thing that really resonates with me is that sometimes I'm just swimming in so many different things on parallel lines Mm -hmm. 
literally looking at my computer screen with like seven tabs open, being available all times. Boundaries are something that Mm. I'm like finding hard to deal with when I'm working from home. I just need to create more boundaries and focus on one project at a time and really dig into that. Yeah. Because if I'm not actually, if I'm just skimming the surface on all of them, no wonder I can't actually hang on. No wonder I feel like I'm swimming in a void. Yeah. So yeah, Boundaries. boundaries. How good are boundaries? Yeah, they're good. They're good. Oh, I'm man. gonna I'm gonna watch the Oscars movies that I can on online. And come to Bloody Nomadland with me at the cinema. Right oh, there's you one. gotta see there's it at the goal. cinema. Got you it. gotta see it at the cinema. You gotta go to the movies. Okay. Let's go to the pictures. <laughs> Sorry. What what happened? We promised a discussion fashion mm-hmm. of the Oscars and here it is now. It felt <laughs> odd. <Begin. laughs> it felt odd leaving it behind before. Um, Regina King, who was in that blue sort of ice queen dress, who mm. did one of the hosting jobs, I think. It wasn't it was a hostless Oscars, so she had one of the hosting little mini hosting roles. She was wearing custom Louis Vuitton and she literally looked like she'd been poured into that dress. I've got to say that was that was best on ground for me. Bog for the Oscars. <laughs> the Bog Oscars. <laughs> God, that's new. Yeah, Bog Oscars. I like it. Oscars Bog. No. No. No, just Bog Oscars. That's good. A lot, lot of good tuxedos this year too. Oh, I loved it. I loved what it. What did you think of the yellow tuxedos? Did you see the yellow tuxedo oh, look? I saw the pink tuxedo and that was awesome. It was high-vis <laughs> of the most extraordinarily dimented proportions. It was great. Um, I didn't see the yellow. Who was in the yellow tuxedo? Uh, that was the guys who did, um, I think they won an Oscar for the short film, Two Distant Strangers, mm. and they were paying tribute to Kobe Bryant um, and they hold a whole bunch of um, 20 which is Kobe's uh, number in the Lakers. Um, but they also had these kind of, yeah, yellow, obviously Lakers colour. Um, the yellow, uh, what do you call them? The flaps? The flaps on oh, a jacket? Gross. See, I know fashion. The flaps. <laughs> <laughs> All the trimmings. Um, some yellow pants. It was bold. Like not everyone can pull off yellow, but mm. they certainly um, got attention. But, yeah, like you say, like the men really stepped up with some amazing I suits. I Hot pink. One literally uh, Leslie Odom Jr. wearing like a yep. gold suit, looking like an Oscar himself here for that. It was very Bog, sleek, Bog very Oscars, cool. Bog Oscars for the men, like Keith Stanfield, who had uh, the best. It was like a boiler suit, kind oh, of a yeah. 70s boiler jumpsuit, custom St. Laurent. Um, he looked absolutely freaking amazing. I think that was that was definitely Bog. The um, novelty handbag as well was a big thing this year. Oh. Um, British artist Celeste, who was one of the um, nominees for Song of the Year, and sang. Um, she was holding what can only be described as a human heart in bedazzled form, mm. ventricles and all, just holding it, it in good. front of her dress. It was good. I'm not sure what it meant, but I, you know, that's fashion. Doesn't matter. Um, and the <laughs> the prawn. The crustacean yes. handbag. I don't know who had that, but it was it was a bit matchy matchy for mine. It was a bit um, sort of the colour of the dress and the colour of the prawn. But I love that. Did you like Carrie Mulligan's dress? A lot of people were saying that was best on ground. Oh, was that Her the little boob, boob tube and the big dress, and it was like all metallic. A bit of metallic going on this a year too. A lot of metallic and a lot of abs, um, which I'm fine with for those who have a midriff or abs to show off. But I feel like it's a bit exclusionary, <laughs> to be honest, because you're it totally not is. you're not going to look and like side boob, like <laughs> thigh gap, like all of these things. It's not fair for anyone who's not of a tiny size. So fashion. <laughs> Lose the midriff fascination yeah. because, quite frankly, we can't do it. So, <laughs> and no one wants to see that. 
on death to the midriff. Death to the midriff. It's. I mean, good on good on those that can, but it is not something that really. I mean, come on. The tool as well, keeping everyone at a COVID safe distance. Mm-hmm. The big, um, the toilet roll, Danny roll holder dress was um, in full effect. And a big shout out to um, the nine-year-old Alan Kim, who is in Minari. That's another film I need to see yes. at the cinemas. Um, he wore an amazing Tom Brown suit, which had shorts. So he was wearing um, a beautiful little jacket and little shorts and little pull-up socks, mm-hmm. one of which had stripes on it. Just like what an icon, Cute. an absolute icon. Yeah. So good. Um, but absolute best on ground goes to Questlove who oh, yes. got behind the trend oh that we God. hear. And, look, it's gone mainstream. There was discussion I saw last night on various <laughs> mainstream TV channels about Crocs, but we've been behind the rise and the rise and the rise of Crocs for a long time. We're your Crocs here. podcast. Yeah, we are. We are a go-to for Crocs. But Questlove <laughs> wore the gold Crocs. Yes. On the red carpet and to the ceremony. And, quite frankly, he was the most comfortable person there. <laughs> Too. And he was standing up DJing the whole night. Of course he's wearing yeah, bloody Crocs. Of course. You could do a spot of gardening in the ad breaks as well. <laughs> do whatever you want. Hose out the garage. <laughs> Amazing. Yep. Hey, before we get into Bang On, um, can we do a quick shout-out if we're talking about awards season? Um, something very special has just been nominated Ooh. for a BAFTA. And just wait until you hear what it is. But I still need... A bit of milk, full fat, which I've warmed in the microwave. How good, Nigella. I mean, obviously her new television show, Nigella's Cook, Eat, Repeat, was was well watched in the UK, but now that moment, that particular moment, has been nominated for um, the Must See Moment Award at the BAFTAs, the microwave. <laughs> I mean, what an icon and what a well-deserved nomination. Just huge. I love that in the follow-up to that when everyone was just kind of like scratching their heads wondering if all this time we've been saying it wrong mm. or Nigella truly thinks that, she just gave a very dry... I know that's not the way that it's said, but that's how I say it. <laughs> like, Finn. <laughs> Enough. So and good. Oh, I hope it wins. I hope it wins. I hope it does too. Hey, what are you banging on about this week? Oh, um, I'm banging on about an article by Alison P. Davis that you can read on Vulture and it's called The End of Kimye's Wild Ride and it talks about the the relationship and the, I guess the cultural significance of that relationship and the impact of that relationship on our cultural landscape of Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. And mm. um, it's a long read. I love a long read. This is a weekender. If you're sitting down, you've got a bit of time. Um, and if you're interested in these sort of things from a more cultural perspective, I found it really fascinating. Um, the, the open, There's one particular line in it that uh, re- really grabbed me. She thought he was an artistic genius. He wanted to dip her ass in gold and now it's over. <laughs> <laughs> What, what a, a way line. to sum up a relationship. What a line, though. In two sentences. Yeah, well, it's just <laughs> magnificent. And it's it's really, I think it's just a really interesting insight into how they came to be and then also the significance of that more broadly in terms of their cultural impact and the power they had together, um, how one lifted the other up in that uh, Kim was, I guess, when she teamed up with him was was a less respected reality TV star Mm. and how that power dynamic has then kind of shifted because he was the creative genius and I still think he is and then how her her power quietly and gradually took over his and then dealing with his his struggles with with mental illness and yeah I just think it's a really interesting article and if if you love delving into the lives of Kim and Kanye as I do um you're gonna love this article 
Here, here. I had a read of it too and um, also love a long read. I love the way that like they have been one of the most talked about couples in modern times, mm. but this is a great look back from this point of here's where we are now and reflecting back both telling the story of it and all the little things that happened but being able to do that with some 2020 vision. Mm. It's fantastically written, um, really resonated for me in a, in a big way and also I think speaks to a shift in culture and what audiences were and are up for, you know, the shift of um, celebrity and how celebrity yes. is viewed in culture, all of that stuff. It's a big social conversation, um, this piece. It's brilliant. I'm so glad you're banging on about it. I'll put that in the show notes as well. It's no great. Worries. What are you banging on about, Zan? Oh, look, I'm going to be a bit of a cheat this week because I've had another oh, hectic Stavis. week. <laughs> One it's day. valid. <laughs> I will say this. It's kind of one of those things that certain people can follow up and follow me down the rabbit hole on this, but in different ways. So I'm banging on about seeing the avalanches live on stage oh, on Friday night. That's good which one. was honestly, and the, uh, the reason I say certain people can follow up is that they do have other shows happening in Sydney and Brisbane and Adelaide soon. So you can see them. I know that not everyone can afford to see, you know, a hundred dollar ticket show or whatever. Listen to their beautiful record. Yeah. Um, that is gorgeous. And also, if you just want to listen to something else gorgeous, um, one of the real highlights of their show was when they put on a beautiful song by the Roaches, this sort of folk band that they sampled in We Will Always Love You, and that's how they finished their set on Friday night. Um, they talked, told the story of this song then put up in computer text, we will always love you, and then played it in full for like five Aww. minutes as everyone wandered out. It's oh, called Hammond's Song. And I think that just speaks to the love that they have for all of this music that they sampled to create something new and the way that they wove all of that through this incredible DJ set with beautiful visuals. I was surrounded by so many people that I knew from my whole life. It was a full Gen X get lit let's get the babysitters in and stay out late <laughs> moment. Like it was my people and it was just, again, I talked about this before in terms of going out to live shows, being surrounded by other people, celebrating music, feeling it in your body and dancing outside. Mm. It was, it's just, it's a, it's a holy experience and it was just such a beautiful and emotional night. So oh, that's a beautiful if you can one. see, yeah, if you can see them, see them, see some other live music, listen to their record, listen to Hammond Song by the Roaches. Um, that's my bang on this week. And I I've think got it's a, vaguely been, better than Paddle Stingers. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> I've got a great business idea <laughs> no, though. it's not. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> it's good, but nah. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. Thank you. Um, I've got a great business idea, though, for if the avalanches are touring in other cities, because, you know, get the babysitters in, everyone's going out for the first time in a long time. Mm. Someone should be at the gate with a pass for a, a, a venue that's open afterwards because, A, when you're going out for the first time and you've got the babysitters in, you've got nowhere, no idea where to go afterwards. You don't know what's <laughs> open. You've All your young friends haven't told you anywhere good to go for a long time. So there's a business idea. Someone just go, here, it's open. And you won't get kicked out. We'll let you in. Help me. Yeah, it's been too long. I don't know how to do this anymore. I don't know how to do socialising. Here to help. That's amazing. Exactly. Here to help. Here to help. Here if you need. Yeah. Here if you, if need. you need. And then just a wing attack, a bib, with someone partying in the yeah. background. Yeah. Oh my god! It's a great let's put, let's put some copyright that. on yeah. that shit. This is the new bang on idea. <laughs> amazing. Um, great to see you. Great to see you too. See you. Should next we do week? it again next week? Yeah. All right. See you then. 
Hang on.